I just can't figure out if it's because you're advanced or because I'm stunted. You take the red pill. You stay in wonder. I am McLovin. You do not talk about Fight Club. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Glacé Film Club podcast. Yes, here we are once again to dive into a film, a new film on this occasion. We like keeping our finger on the pulse, dissect it and really let you know what our thoughts and views are. But when I say we, I don't do this alone, of course I don't. It's my good friend, the lover of all things filmic and cultural and joyous in life. It's my good pal and fellow film reviewer, Callum. He's here. How are you doing? I'm well. Yeah, I'm very well. When you said um, lover, there was just like a bit of a... There was <laughs> there was just a little bit of a, a, a pause after it where I was like, oh, I, apparently I'm his lover and I don't even know it until now. <laughs> Um, I've been getting you recently on the <laughs> on the intros. I got you on the last one, didn't I? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you thought you did. I was calling you a, a liver. Liver, yeah. Absolutely. You've gone from liver to lover, so at least be grateful about that. Well, indeed, yeah, yeah. No, I'm well. How have you um, been? Because we we teased the listeners last episode with the fact that you were going watching the 90s, early noughties cult American rock band Wheatus very soon. And that moment has now passed. And I imagine it's not just me very keen to hear the story, but the listeners will be sitting on the edge of the seat. So I would just like to request that you incorporate an anecdote about that into the story, please. Uh, It was good. pressure um it was it was really really good fun it was really really good fun doesn't make any sense um it was cracking um it was like they played all their tunes from their first record which i didn't like most people when you say weetus it's like right teenage dirtbag i mean their, their, their first five tunes on spotify are all just bit, uh different iterations of that track right. um so you you know what I mean? but like they played so many uh tunes off their first record i was like this is this is brilliant. I bought some merch. I got a sticker. I haven't even shown you the sticker. Oh, she got some merch. Um, nice. It's like a little. Uh, it's like. Oh, a little, that's good. It's like a little that's lollipop. Good. It's iconic. Yeah. Those uh, that grid with the blue and yellow on. Yeah, yeah. For the it's obviously, uh, this is radio, not video, obviously. But like the um, the, for the listeners, it's a sticker in the shape of a lollipop with uh, blue and yellow. Uh, it's a blue and yellow checkered um, lollipop sticker, and it has Wheatus written on it. It's, it's, it's epic. Co- it's Please, cool. can you share a photo of that on the Instagram for everyone? <laughs> yeah, I will do. Yeah, I'll do it af- after we've recorded. Um, I'm trying to think. Trying to think what else I've been up to. Um, were, were the band behind the merch stand, or did they have their own merch people? Because I always gauge the had... level of where a band is at. Up so I, I don't know whether they had their own merch people or whether it was like just people who worked in the pub. Because um, okay. it was in a place called the Waterloo Music Venue, which I've never been to before, but it was in Blackpool, and um, I've driven past it hundreds of times never been in first time absolutely epic so the 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 guys at the waterloo music venue in blackpool good on you like it was such a great um experience um and what was it like seeing such an iconic band in a pub it was weird there was a lot, a lot of jokes going around oh they've fallen from grace here doing these tiny venues but when i when you researched it they were doing like 50 dates they're, they're in the uk for like two months doing a tour playing all these like tiny venues across the country i just think you know it's such in in the climate in which we live you know it's small independent music venues sort of like dying on their ass i just think to have a band like that be willing to play all those little all those little venues mm. um 
I just think he's so cool. It speaks to the sort of like the punk rock in me. Um, yeah. Obviously, nice. yeah, man, yeah, man, <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, yeah, um, totally, totally, man, yeah. Skateboards, etc. Like, um, but yeah, it was bloody awesome. <laughs> it was nice. It was nice to be back home as well, just for a fleeting weekend. Brilliant, um, brilliant. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear the story of the Wheatus gig, and I'm sure this will boost yours and everyone's love affair with what are a great band. They are. Let's encourage uh, yeah. people now. Let's give Wheatus, Wheatus that little pump and boost that they want and need their first, online. Their first album is, like I said, there's a tune called Leroy, which has been on um, Shuffle since. I heard it, and I was just like, this is great. This is like exactly the type of sort of, um, you know, adolescent punky nursery rhyme rock that I that I want to hear. Um, absolutely. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna get my Wheatus on today. You've inspired me. Get your um, Wheatus on. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Blast it out. Blast it out. Well, in the notion of encouraging people online to pump up the statistics of a <laughs> uh, <laughs> nice little a name or group nice. or organization, yeah. Callum, please can you tell us what is the film that we've watched this week and yeah. give us one of your textbook overviews of it, please. That was a nice little, uh, nice little way in Thank there. Thank you. I'm like working yeah. on my broadcasting skills. Yeah, that was good. Uh, we went to watch Dumb Money, um, a film directed by Craig Gillespie, um, written by Lauren Shuka Bloom and Rebecca Angelo. Um, it's based on a book, I believe, um, called The Antisocial Network, which basically talks about the GameStop short squeeze that happened in. Um, at the start of the year in 2021. Um, it's basically about a guy who is a financial analyst who lives in Massachusetts. And during his times off, he basically dips his toe in the, the stock market um, on a subreddit, which I never, I don't understand Reddit or subreddit or anything associated with it. I know of it, but I don't know anything about it. But apparently there's something called Wall Street Bets. Um, and um, he posts his opinions about the stock market on YouTube and basically live streams under this sort of um, name, Roaring Kitty. Um, it's quite funny. Um, basically, he notices that the video game retailers, GameStop, for, like retailer is falling and he basically puts all his life savings into sort of um to sort of artificially inflate the value of the stock and it becomes a bit of an internet phenomenon and then everyone who watches his youtube channel also ends up pouring loads of money into this stock and at wall street there's some hedge fund cap hedge fund people who've basically shorted against it so they've shorted on the gamestop saying that they will eventually uh, they're going to make money if GameStop goes under because GameStop itself is like losing money every day. It's like not make hardly making any profit. So really, it shouldn't really be this this have this much value on the stock exchange. Um, but Keith, you know, famously says, um, "I like the stock," and decides to pump loads of money into it to artificially um, inflate it. And then obviously, these Wall Street hedge fund dudes end up losing lots of money because they have to pay. Um, sort of damages out every time the stock goes up. So it's basically about this sort of internet phenomenon that was sort of um, quite, I suppose, um, honourably based on trying to sort of bring down Wall Street, um, which a lot of the characters continually 
um, mention. Um, eventually, all the people involved are called in, by the United States House Committee on Financial Services, and they're basically accused of artificially inflating the stock. I guess, I suppose, is it fraud? I don't know. Um, given the fact that you know Wall Street artificially inflates stock all the time, so they make money. I don't know. But the thing is, the thing that I found quite striking about it is that um, I still don't really know what how the system of money works in the world all i do know is that all it, all the film did do for me is that it sort of like confirms my um apathy with our global financial markets um and how we're all slowly on our way to the gutter i suppose um but yeah i thought it was great and it's a really interesting film in the same vein as uh the Big Short, which will I suppose will be mentioned several times in this episode, um, but yeah, it's um, it's a really interesting film about how the stock market works, but it's done in an entertaining and funny way. And Paul Dano's great. Paul Dano is the main character. He's the guy that plays this financial analyst. Keith Gill is the name of his character. Um, but yeah, that's the that's dumb money basically. Thank you, Callum, yeah. as always, for a lovely overview there. And yeah, let me dive in and pick you straight up on the big shot. As avid listeners to the Glass A Film Club podcast will know from our 50th episode, the big shot is out and out my favourite film. And to summarise why is I get some kind of drive and fire off the back of watching it, very much on the theme of the corporate world, corporate fraud, and the frustrations surrounding that. And this film absolutely taps into it. I was always very excited for this when I saw the trailer a few weeks ago because I got caught up in the GameStop frenzy myself when it was happening <laughs> at the start of 2021. I mean, I wish I could say I was there right at the beginning when Roaring Kitty was picking the shares up for $3, but I was only late to the party and didn't make my millions. You'll be disappointed to know. But very much the movement at the time intrigued me, and I kept up with it, bought a few shares myself to be part of it, but very much found myself intrigued by what was happening from a technical perspective, but also the rationale and reasons that came to light off the back of it. And I think this film captures those really well. I think it's very true to life in what it depicts. It honours the story nicely with some good references for those who were involved with it. But I think also it plays the emotional card sparingly, but very effectively. So in the sense of the technical elements of it i think it shows what happened very well and gives you an insight into it and that's one of the tricky things that the big short has to contend with of how do we share a story that at the core of it is about technical economics and something that is quite bewildering to all of us and as you said callum you're quite apathetic to it all but also don't necessarily know the details of it in terms of a technical perspective but that is the point isn't it that's the point yeah. is that the markets are run by big banks hedge funds all sorts of other financial institutions but created in an overly complex way that you and i and people who are not involved with it find confusing and not very easy to access it isn't a democratized system as it as it seems like it may be because there are people who hold the keys to uh to the city of it essentially 
But I think also the emotional element of it in two parts, the drive I get out of this and I got out of the real world situation, but also out of any stories or situations like this, much like the big shorts, is that frustration of the the corporate fraud and control that they have over the world and I think the most cutting element of the film is along with what was in the real life scenario is when the app that they buy in the shares on Robin Hood which claims to be there to help the retail investor get a level level playing field pulled out um, and stopped all trades well stopped all buy trades from happening when the stock was flying at an unbelievable rate and looked like it could go to the moon as they say um and that, as essentially off the back of it, was what is suggested to be the trigger for the stock to go back down again. And that was essentially what frustrated so many people. And where you get the real emotive element is because they were then linked to one of their main investors also owned the hedge fund, one of the hedge funds that were getting hit um, so badly by it. So the notion being that never got fully proven, but was that there was a bit of pressure put on Robin Hood to put an end to this, do something to put um, a spanner in the work so that this wouldn't carry on. How true that is, we can't say. I don't want us to get done for libelous comments on this podcast. But um, the point being that there always seems to be a way for the ones who control the financial markets to get out of bad decisions, mistakes they make, tricky situations they put themselves in, very much like the 08 crash of the housing market, which is a real platform for the energy behind this notion and what happened with Wall Street bets and the GameStop shares. And then I think that is depicted very well in the film. I felt the emotion of it come through very strongly because I think they replicate that. They set it to the backdrop of the pandemic, but what they do well is they don't really overly labour the sob story of the nurse in the pandemic who is a character in it. They put that as a backdrop, yes, but I think more just to fuel the emotion that was felt at the time of everyone who was behind it and how there was a big focus on it of everyone remotely doing this. And then you get those remote Senate hearings as well, which are all very much of the time, of course. But to conclude, for someone who very much followed this story at the time, I think it depicts it very well. You feel the energy of it and it's got a good level of humour in it because I think it needs to get that right in that funny internet-y nerdy humor as they say in it because that's what was driven this it was a very strange quirk of the internet across reddit and the sense of humor that went alongside it this meme culture element that hit a establishment a real world financial establishment and they juxtaposed that so well in the film with the humor and the comedic elements but how serious they make those characters and the caricatures of the financial leaders but then to the retail investors at the other end and and the the clips they get from real world reddit elements i think balance really nicely so overall i think for something i was already very interested in something that fills me with a lot of drive it recounted the story very well and um shared that emotion and energy fantastically so yeah i came out of it feeling the feeling that i get from watching big shot what about you callum did did you feel any of those elements or if not what else did it give you um i think just sort of stylistically i suppose it i quite like the way that it positioned itself in the sort of the canon of these style of movies that deal with overly complex financial institutions like um, the big short it's definitely a 
it's definitely sort of like been filmed and written in that vein. There's even some references to other films that are a lot, a lot, a lot more serious or a lot more sort of um, uh, muted in terms of its sort of like hyperbole, like uh, Mar- I think of a film called Margin Call. Um, that's also about the 08 crash. That's much more solemn in its dealings with it. But I think it balances quite a nice um, sort of uh, approach to dealing with the stock market, I think. There's humour, yes, but there's also quite elements of... There's a lot of elements of seriousness in it. There's some moments where you think, God, like, the society in which we live is really, really corrupt and really, really vulgar, particularly when it comes to global financial markets. Um, But one thing that I did quite like about it, even on the internet memes, so when it was saying, like... um, uh, Paul Dano's character, um, uh, Keith Gill, was like telling, they don't know what they're doing. Wall Street, they've made mistakes before. And he got his balance sheet published in the background. And it kind of shows all the different memes and all the different sort of responses to his um, um, uh, streams and whatever. And there's like references to Matthew McConaughey in The Wolf of Wall Street doing his chest pumping thing yeah. and then there's references there's even references to the big short in the film as well so it's quite meta in the sense that it's yeah. been yeah. it's been written and filmed in the vein of these movies and then it also but it's also references them in the film itself because obviously this film was made after those movies had also been made i just thought it was quite a nice little sort of way of positioning itself within that canon of that type of movie um that was quite cool um it was funny as well like you know, the script was witty. I think it needs the humor to drive it because, obviously, like I just said, what they're actually the the topic of the of the film itself is when we when it's all when you strip back all the humor, it's actually quite bleak. That's why I jokingly said we're on our way to the gutter um, in the opening <laughs> segment. Really, um, one thing I do think it reveals quite nicely is just how um, how much the concept of the market and the concept of the economy is just a construct. Um, and eventually, that construct, that sort of like um, sense of hubris that every, all the characters have in it, I would like to put for the record, I don't like any of them. Even the people who are on the Reddit who are betting, supposedly betting against the system, I don't like any of them. Um, they're, there's all, they're all very. There's a sense of hubris and Even arrogance. Even Roaring Kitty. Yeah, I don't. I mean, he's a very likable uh, character. I just the only reason he's likable is because it positions himself within his family. Like you know, he's got he's putting giving the middle finger to Wall Street whilst feeding his newborn baby. I just think like uh, I, I don't know. I just think not that I disagree with what he did. It's just I just don't I don't like any of them. I think because I I find sort of like quirk like sort of like. I find internet culture really, really annoying generally, but I also find um, the sort of the the arrogance and the pompousness of the hedge fund people who are are playing, you know, playing tennis on their private fucking tennis courts and all that sort of stuff. I just don't, I don't like any of the characters. However, one thing that I think the film does really, really well is that it. Um, highlights just how ridiculous the system is and it also highlights how eventually when all the arrogance and the hubris is over after they've all sort of speculated of how much money they can make it has to be backed by something it's no it's not it's not eventually that abstract money that they have artificially created eventually has to be paid for by something um and history has told us that it's paid for 
with people's savings and people's pensions and actual things that people have worked for. Um, and when it's all said is done, as 08 showed, the recklessness by which this market operates on is backed by public money. And it doesn't matter because they can continue to do it. And I don't know, like the sort of, whilst I like the premise of like like sticking it to Wall Street by artificially inflating a stock so they can make money out of it as well, I just think, for me personally, the whole system is based on um, vulgarity and exploitation. That's not to say that I didn't like the film. I thought the film was really funny and really, really great, and I thought everyone was, the cast was great, but it doesn't make me like any of them if that makes sense <laughs> no that's fair yeah that's fair and i think from my perspective i'm in danger of having a similar rant that i did with of uh, the big shot and I'm, I'm gonna just try and check myself a bit so i can analyze other elements of the film but you know absolutely how i feel about that structure as well and just a little word on what you were saying there in terms of how the market does operate and it is that very notion of the well, the controllers of the market can take these risks and suck money out of the system. It's all very well and good if people are just in their day-to-day life, their houses are just about being paid for and the pensions are just about there. But as soon as that crashes, then someone has to pay for it and it's inevitably everyone else's money, not the people who control these mad markets. And this was an example of, obviously things didn't crash and there wasn't a big backlash like that, but it was going in that direction where that could have happened. And very much so, that was like the point of it, of showing how ridiculous the market can be, but being the, the light being shown on it through this internet culture and through retail investors rather than the more clandestine approach of corporate bankers. For the record, I would actually just like to caveat my statement earlier when I said I don't like any of them. I do, uh, the guy who works in the GameStop. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think I think he's called Mar- Marcus. I think he's called... Marcus, Marcos. The only difference between you and him is the the O and the U. Um, <laughs> don't know why I said that, um, but you know, he, his 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 stake in it, I find to be very. I, I don't know. I just I his stake in the whole thing is. I don't know. Honest, it has a bit more. It has integrity to it. I guess the nurse's mm-hmm. stake in it does as well. I see. You could argue, I suppose, that um, Paul Dano's character also has a sort of meaningful stake in it. But I just the difference between Keith Gill's character and the and the nurse and the um, uh, the um, the GameStop employee GameStop employee is that they they don't have an arrogance and a hubris with it all. They're doing it because this other guy's doing it. They're doing it because they want to. Oh, I want to buy a house for you more and more. I want to. I want to get out of my insane amounts of debt, despite the fact I'm working during a pandemic. You know what I mean? I'm a nurse. I want. I want to do something useful, and I have minus one hundred forty-five thousand dollars. I don't know. Their their stake in it was just a bit. It was more meaningful for me personally to see their stories on screen in this in in the context of sort of. Keith Gill's sort of project. Yeah, I get, you know I mean? get that. And there's, yeah. there's a natural warming to those who have, you know, more of a emotional story and of course. reason yeah. for it to work out. Which is what I like about him, both real life and how he's depicted in the film, is that he's playing in these financial worlds which are overly serious and overly 
um, they really look at themselves too much as like being controllers of the world and everything like that. Whereas he's showing, look, I can come and mix it with you, but whilst having a beer and just kind of laughing at some of these things. I just thought there was a real, there was a warmth to him that. Oh, which fair I enough. Really got. Yeah, fair enough. Um, and I like that about him. But just back to what I was saying before. Sorry. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's just move on a bit from my whole analysis of the financial system. But I liked what this film looked at from the political perspective. So the what Big Short doesn't continue on to is the political aftermath of the financial crash. It just ends with them saying, and with Steve Carell's character saying, look, no, there's going to be no like real investigations. This nobody's going to really get sent to prison, slaps on the wrist all round, and they'll just carry on. They'll get away with it. This film ends with a similar message, but it explores that uh, a big chunk of the film is about the congressional hearing, which is yeah. comedic. That's a very comedic bit of the film where it is, yeah. obviously you've got Keith Gill there with his suit, but streaming from where he was doing his actual videos, and then he puts his uh, bandana uh, up in the background as a nod and then like everyone goes wild when he says in the congressional hearing I like the stock and funny like it's all funny but then how do they pick the other characters is great and obviously they were questions from the real hearing that they put in there but when they're asking Nick Offerman's character the leader of um, one of the hedge funds how many people are in the room with you right now like that was on, it was on the money wasn't it it was, it was a moment where those individuals had to be exposed and they could be have a few swings could be taken at them, um, but then I loved how at the end they showed the real life footage of it because it made it even more stark. Then because you you see the depiction in the film and how it's obviously done to hype up the comedic elements, but you watch the real ones, you're like, this is almost funnier. It's more ridiculous, especially the guy who the real life version of Nick Offerman's character. And there's a passing comment in the film where he goes, oh, he looks like a Disney villain. And he really <laughs> does. You see the real hearings yeah, and you're yeah. like, these people are ridiculous. And when um, Seth Rogen's character's right in the speech and he's saying like they're trying to make him sound more down to earth and stuff like yeah, that yeah. Like, that's exactly what went down wasn't it that's exactly the situation and the guy from Robin Hood like, he's probably as much as the others have the more control he's he feels the smarmiest in it all in terms of the characters that you were yeah. trying to relate to he's almost like manipulating people's true desires but beyond those characters the the political depiction in it I think is really powerful because what it does, it gives an insight into actually what went down in a very w- real world setting and you can see that and relate to it and obviously we all remember that recent bit of history in terms of the pandemic video call era but what it does do, it for a small period of time exposes these members of the financial uh, elite but then it wraps it up and it all kind of gets brushed over. And even though there's a suggestion and there's probably a bit of a consensus that, yeah, there was pressure put on Robin Hood. And how pivotal was that moment that when Robin Hood paused the buy-in, the stock went down, it could never, that momentum couldn't carry on. Huge, most people argue, huge. And then obviously the effects of that as the stock kept flying up would have been monumental. But it's just kind of brushed over as that, yeah, well, we can't really prove any of that. You know, it would have just been a few phone calls here and there, technicality, whatever. And then everything just goes on 
as it was there was no the the congressional hearing was wrapped up with nothing really concluded from it and that's the message that always that's where i felt the most emotion in the film is it's that political element, as with the big short, is that it wraps up by the film follows a historic, monumental series of events happening which could change the fabric of society and a big impact on the world because the financial markets have so much power. And you feel the energy and the emotion of it. And in real life, that's exactly what happens. But as soon as it's over, it's just as quickly brushed over because, well, really, if we did address this, what do we do? It's such a big upheaval. And how do you then go and tackle the big financial institutions for something that, oh, in passing, wasn't much? That's the power of it. And the way it depicts that political process by actually showing that congressional hearing is that it makes you realise that politicians and regulatory bodies are actually quite powerless and toothless in many of these situations. And it is actually the financial institutions that hold the power, not the governing bodies. And that seeing that so starkly, especially through the Zoom setting and that little scene where he's on mute for a bit, makes you see it. And it's fine reading about it. It's like, oh, the power of Congress and all of this. But when you just see some people on a video call, not really knowing what they're asking about, and mm. then it all kind of fall apart, you're like, oh, where does the power lie here? And that's where the emotion comes across. That's where the frustration comes across, but why the film is powerful because it depicts that political process very vividly in a way that you then just get frustrated about. And like you say, Callum, easier just to be despondent to it and be like, oh, well, this is the way it is. And the film does that very well following the aftermath, not just the event itself. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's why the film itself is just, like I said, it's just, it, it depicts the vulgarity of the system in which we live. And like I did when I went to, when I went to watch it, I was like, this is going to be another film about um, the market and how we're all being shafted in one way or another. And it does. It yeah. does. It, it shows that. <laughs> yeah, it you is, know what I mean? It it's just that. it is a depiction of reality. Um, I mean, you leave the cinema just thinking, crying out loud, like it's just it's just a, another another thing that tells us what's wrong with the system. And that's not a critique of the film um, in any way. It's just I think you know it's it's a, it's just another medium by which to say what's wrong with the systems that for some reason we. <laughs> I'm not even necessarily convinced as a, we as a collective place faith in it anymore. Um, I think it's just the system has become so um, heavily in favour of um, financial institutions that they're, like you rightly say, they're the ones that hold um, hold influence in power um, and they have the power to influence political policy and have the power to influence how um, how the world operates. Mm-hmm. Um one thing that I did think there was some quite subtle critiques as of of the uh, the financial like the hedge fund managers in particular. It's like when it flicks to um, everyone the, the the normal people as they as they're referred to, um, like the nurse and the the, the employees and the, and the and all that sort of stuff. It's like you gotta wear your mask, wear your mask, and then you've got like these really rich people who are just like not wearing any masks, like yeah. um, all their servants, their cooks, and their sort of like their yeah. their tennis like sort of like people are all wearing masks and stuff, and they're just not bothering and they're just doing whatever they want. They just don't care because they know that they have so much power and influence. There's just an arrogance and a 
and a vulgarity to all of them. That was a really good subtle. Yeah, story, yeah. I, re- I really, really liked that because um, it just highlights just how um, how awful these people really are. Um, yeah, I thought that was quite a nice little subtle um, critique that was worked into it. One thing that I did think, I said to you off air, one th- another thing that I was sort of um, intrigued, that the film made me intrigued for was that like, I still don't really know how this system works because in the sense that like we were we were talking about sort of short positions weren't we and like Mm -hmm. it was sort of like okay so the hedge fund managers are betting that this company GameStop will collapse and then they will make money out of that company's collapse and it's like well where do they get the money from that pays for this company collapsing because if a company collapses by definition it has no financial money left in it for it to keep going so where does that money come from that pays their short position it comes from banks. I was like, well, right, where do the banks get their money from? It's like, well, the banks get their money from people's savings, people's pensions, people's salaries, things like that. That's in it's in that financial system. So it's like rich people making money out of um, other other people losing money. Um, and then I jokingly said that the bank charged me twenty two quid because I was in my overdraft. It's like they're making money out of me having no money, um, yeah. which is just crippling really when you think about it um and the fact that they were able to sort of art- an internet meme or an internet sensation was able to artificially inflate the price of a company that was actually losing actual which was losing money but on the market it said that it was worth loads of money i think there's a point where keith he's like 11 million dollars in his, in he, his gets, he gets up to 47 at one point. yeah yeah 47 million dollars on a company that that lost 170 million in financial sales or whatever um i can't remember the exact figure but it was the company was losing money more money um than what he was making i just don't i'll never be able to understand how a system um allow how a system like that can exist it's lunacy it's absolute lunacy um and that's what the film highlights and that's that i think that's the real power of it it highlights how how the, the 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 systems in which we invest our sort of like not faith is the wrong word but the systems in which govern our our day-to-day existences is absolutely is based on absolutely um lunacy it's crazy it really is that's why i said we're all on the way to the gutter in some respects um absolutely yeah. absolutely thank you Callum. let's wrap this up let's get this wrapped up yeah let's. um i'll start off by saying as you can tell from everything that i said i always get a lot of passion and drive out of this subject but because i was very much caught up with and across this news and how it f- uh, played out in early 2021 this film was always going to be intriguing to me but i think it was a fantastic depiction of the actual events but also captured the energy of it the emotion of it and that kind of tongue-in-cheek quirky weird internet culture that all became was all part of it and the meta element of it like you say Callum, there's like parts of it especially with this film now layered on it but the the process of people getting involved with it were referencing like Wolf of, Wolf of Wall Street and the yeah, big short. Yeah, so yeah. even at the time it was meta, like we're something similar happening to this, but then the film element then referencing all that. I think it just works so well. Like, it does. I yeah. found it very funny in the places it needs to be and it was humorous enough to capture that comedic element, but then also make the establishment figures look ridiculous in the way that they needed to in the film. So, yeah, I was, I mean, loved every minute of it. I thought it was fantastic. So I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. 
Callum, what about you? I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10 as well. Um, the only reason I'm not going to give it a 10 out of 10 is because, um, and it's a silly reason, but um, it's because um, I didn't warm to any of the characters apart from two of them. But I, fund- I, I, I fundamentally hate the premise on which the film is based on. Um, just the, the, the system in which we live. Um, and that's not the film's fault. That's just the, the, the subject matter of, of the film itself, which is a weird answer but it makes sense in my head. Um, hey, we're open to all sorts of answers on this podcast. Yeah, it makes sense in my head. Um, yeah, I thought it was great. I mean, the the, the humour, I think, drives it. Um, I think the acting is is brilliant. Um, the script is meta, but it also um, keeps you engaged as well. And the soundtrack mm-hmm. as well. We haven't even spoken about the soundtrack. I think the soundtrack is really, really funny. Um, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got all this, all these like, like sort of rap and... Yeah, the kind of TikTok element of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's just like these songs with that are overly um, inflammatory about things. And it's just like these people driving like a beat up Honda down the streets of Bo- down the streets yeah, of Massachusetts, yeah, yeah, yeah. listening to this really loud, um, ag- sort of aggressive rap music. I suppose it's funny. It was very funny. Um, I thought um, I quite liked the it flicking back and forth between. Um, the different worlds. I thought it was quite nice in that respect. Um, I like the subtlety of it. It was subtle, but it was also in your face at the same time. It, it got the balance quite right, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it is about balance, which I find, again, and one final point was the film itself is about a system of excess, but the way in which the film was made was about, it was quite balanced. You know what I mean? It was like a balanced film, but it was about a film about excess. Um Again, makes sense in my head. Do do, do what you will with that. Uh, <laughs> do what listeners. you run with um, it. Run but with yeah, it. there we go. Put the rest of the pieces together. Yeah, that'll, Lovely. Yeah. Thank you very much once again, Callum. Well, there we have it. Dumb money, giving you our thoughts. But if you've got any thoughts on it, let us know. We're on Instagram at the Glass A Film Club. If you don't always, if you don't already follow us, or drop us a review, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening. We're always very grateful to get your feedback, but also have a little chat with you and engage about your thoughts and feelings about the films as well. But that's that. We've got plenty more to come. Of course, we have. We'll be diving into some more new films. There's quite a run of good ones coming out over the next few months. Of course, we'll keep our finger on the pulse of all those big releases, throwing back to some classics as well as sprinkling a few conversation episodes into the mix as well. We've got plenty in the back catalogue. Of course, we have dive into all sorts of different episodes there with some fantastic guests as well as some big reviews. And as referenced in this one, go back to the 50th review for the big shot one where we really pour our heart out onto that one if you want to get a little bit of comparison between those two but that's that for this episode we'll keep diving into films keep getting yourself to the cinema this one was great to go and sit in a cinema and actually watch so any opportunity there to get to a theater is always fantastic we'll keep diving in keeping our finger on the pulse you keep letting us you know letting us know what you want us to watch but until next time that was another episode of the glass a film club podcast we'll see you all later